Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. This week we cover chapters 17 and 18, where men have kind of like started to become bigger players in the world of Middle-earth, and Morgoth attacks one last time. In the, few, in the next few weeks, we might be taking a quick break. As you could probably tell from my voice, I sound like Tom White's gargling concrete. Uh, that I'm sick and uh, might be needing to take a quick break. Uh, so we may not have an episode next week. That may not be true, but just hold on tight if it is. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. Between a seaweed, we'll call the NAACP. I love that one. Because the world keeps spinning round and round. When did that movie come out? 2007, I believe. Oh my god, that came out a lot longer than I thought it was. That's yeah. Time is bleeding out of us. Well, and Christopher Walken in that movie, it's like the only direction he got was do your best Christopher Walken impersonation. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Chapters, (laughs) what was this? 17 and 18. Yeah, 17 and 18. Oh, I almost read chapter 16 again today. I almost read chapter 16 again today. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to vote that we just title the name of this episode, And Morgoth Came, period. How about Of When Morgoth Came? <laughs> of And When Morgoth Came of for, and, <laughs> and Nor, But, Or Yet So. Around this is like Planet of, in, Planet of the Apes yeah. titling at this point. <laughs> so, Dawn of the Rise of Morgoth Coming. So yeah, we, we've... Uh, this was a really dense section again. This was epic. This was well, absolutely really epic. epic and but, dense. But this was stuff happening and not in the way that stuff has happened previously. This is yeah. stuff happening and you're turning pages. And yeah, you're like, oh my god. And um, so, so yeah, so previously I like to kind of put us, set us in, you know, where we've been. Previously um, we had kind of finally the truth came out about the Noldor and the Kinsling and everything and Thingol had banished uh, the speaking of Quenya in his realm and then we also talked about Maeglin yes, and uh, yes, Gondolin the hidden city of Gondolin which Gondolin so, plays into this yeah exactly a little bit too. so it's good for us to remember where we've come from um, there are like lines where it's like and so and so said blah 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 mm-hmm. but there's no like actual back and forth dialogue until like this chapter yeah you're right. It was. This was the first time, really. And I think that's one of the reasons why... I thought about it. I, I think that's one of the reasons why people might have problems reading it, because we're 190 pages in, mm-hmm. and only now are we getting to what we traditionally consider to be the construction of a narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's an elf going, hey, y'all! And the men going, like, what? Which is... I have darkness behind me. How, hey, uh, y'all! No. No. However, I think, though, that that is... Incredibly fitting, though, because of the kind of book that it is. Because again, it's not really like it is. It is. A it's book. not a. It's not a novel. It's not a narrative. It's. It, it is a book truly befitting the classification tome. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the elves didn't actually speak to each other before men showed up. Maybe they just like telepathically sent signals, and the language was just this barfing of like magnetic fields around them. Why don't you guys stop me at some point on yeah, that so one? Because I wanted to so, let it continue so, so that everyone could hear the full extent of Chase's weirdness. So they're basically the Hanar? Well, it was like, it's like, what if the music was like just magnetic fields? We should really retitle this podcast Tolkien with random bits of Mass Effect between Chase and John. Yeah, that's happened a lot. Um. So anyway, sorry. Let us... So, yeah, so we... Um, we're going to talk uh, some more about men for a little while. Chase, actually, actually, more about I men. was very excited because not only that, it was like 
one, one another moment where I was slightly confused while reading this book, where oh, they've not really encountered men yet mm-hmm. until this chapter. This chapter was the time when we actually finally like the elves properly interact with men. We're actually going to detail how like so it's like there was a chapter called of men yeah. earlier, and this is like. Everything they talked about in that chapter explained. Yes. Yeah. That makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. And and so the title of this chapter is Of the Coming of Men into the West. People if okay. you are super young. So so yes, here we are, three hundred years after the after the Noldor has have kind of settled in Beleriand. And uh, finally we get the description of when one of the Eldar first sees a man. And uh, so Finrod, specifically, it's Finrod, and he's out hunting with his buddies, but then he gets bored and decides to go out on his own, and he's into the north of Osiriand, and he sees firelight, and he hears a song, and he's confused because the green elves that live there don't make fires, Mm -hmm. and they don't sing at night. So So he's, like, scared at first, too. Because it could be orcs. Because it could be orcs. Um, and then he gets closer and realizes, wait, I've never heard that language before, spoken by an elf or an orc or a dwarf or anyone. Um, so then uh, I, I, I love this line that, that, uh, that describes this moment. Tolkien writes, Then Felagon, standing silent in the night shadow of the trees, looked down into the camp, and there he beheld a strange people. A strange people. <laughs> And that's that's like the disc- the first description of what uh, what an, an, an elf perceives. Yeah, they're dancing, of, of they're they're singing, they're on fires, and they have giant beards. Is what <laughs> I'm imagining because the elves don't have facial hair, I guess. But yeah, elves are like eternally youthful. Yeah. So it's looking. like these dudes with beards are probably kind of older, and with names like. Bower. Yeah. Uh, yay! Did I get that one right? <laughs> Close. Yeah. Bower. Ah, uh-huh. Wow. Um. Yeah. So yeah, he come. He has come upon uh, Bayor the Old, which we'll learn was not his original name. We'll learn that later, though. But um, but so, only at, at like the tail end. Only at the tail end. It's like he's he's introduced the whole like the whole introduction we have to him. He's been being called Bayor, but that's actually not his original name, which is kind of fun. Um, so yeah, uh, the men were singing because you know they felt like they were safe. Um, they've you know come all this way, and again trying to go into the west. Um, because that's where the light is. Um, and Felagan just kind of, like, creeps on them for a while. <laughs> hey, what's up? What are you doing? How's it going? Just kind just... of... Cause, well, because, he, you know, he's he's watching from a distance, because, again, like, you're, you're kind of like, I've never seen... This is a strange people. What do I... And then he waits until they're asleep and then goes to sit among them and starts playing starts this singing. harp. Yeah. Yeah, and starts singing. singing a song. So it's like, I want to introduce them. How about if I do it in the creepiest possible way? <laughs> <laughs> But remember that these people had a language barrier too. That's true. Because you know they he doesn't speak their language and they don't speak his. But so so next time I wake up in a foreign country, I'm just going to sneak into somebody's house and start singing. To and them. start yeah. But start everybody singing. can understand the music of. I guess if we're going far back, he's mm-hmm. using music of like the Valar. Yeah. In yeah. this moment, all right. Exactly. So he's hearing music that they've never heard before because it originated in Valinor. And, you know, it's beautiful and enchanting, and so the men kind of wake up, and at first they think they're in a dream. Um, no, no, really? Yeah. No, you're not, you're not like, yeah, okay, I I'm would believe, uh, if, yeah. I, if I was, if I was in that situation too, I would totally think I was dreaming too, because it's like, even like, later on, because he like, sits and talks to them, which is some of my 
favorite parts of these two chapters is where he's like sitting with them and talking with them. He's like telling them stories mm-hmm. of all the other elves, and then he, he, there's this like moment where he's talking about like the Valar, and they perceive him. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you're yeah. telling us about the Valar. You must be one of them. Right. And so and so then Beor turns to Figaro and asks, "Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy?" <laughs> That actually didn't happen, no. but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So they, um, yeah, they think he's one of the Valar um, because they had heard rumors of the Valar. They had they had previously met uh, like the Dark the Elves, dark elves yeah. but they hadn't they hadn't oh, met. Oh, I any forgot of that the, part. Yeah. yeah, they hadn't met any of 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 the Noldor. And they um, had a, they, I mean, they had a perception of or the Eldar. I mean, an idea of the light of Valar or of the mm-hmm. the light of the Val. The, the trees in Valinor, mm-hmm. they would have some understanding of that, I guess, from yeah. a, like a loose extent, like earlier in their lives when they woke up. Okay, yeah, like they've and they've heard rumors, but they but they've never seen any of the Eldar. So, uh, so yeah, the, um, Finrod is the first of them that they've laid eyes on, and um, so they 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 kind of guess as to what the words are that he's singing because again they don't understand that but they kind of they, by listening to the music and stuff they kind of guess the meaning of it um, and they named Finrod they learned they learned a lot from him and they named him in their in their language they named him Gnome which Gnome. is wisdom <laughs> I love that Om Nom Nom I love how like like so far anything named by elves is like half a half a word long like half a line long <laughs> and then, like, they get to man and say, oh, we like your, your nom. <laughs> I guess that's just the way the language works. I guess so. <laughs> but, yeah, so it means wisdom in their language. Um, and they name, and his people after him, they named um, the wise. Uh, nom no, Nomen. Yeah, nom Sorry, noms. I couldn't, re- it was easy. <laughs> nom noms. Um, and, yeah, so at first they thought he was one of the Valar. Um but they immediately thought they would be loyal to him and and everything, and they learned uh, they they learned a lot from him. And actually, Beor, um, since they had learned language from the Dark Elves, which had a similar route to the Quendi, they were, were able, able to, to okay like, put it eventually. I was confused about that. But at yeah. the same time, it says Felagan discovered also that he could read in the minds of men such thoughts as they wished to reveal in speech, so that their words were easily interpreted. Right. That was weird. Yeah. That that didn't make much sense to me because I feel like is he special? Were all or were all the elves able to do that? Because it doesn't really. It says this and it kind of just like floats off. Mm-hmm. Was it just him? I mean, it's, kind it's of very a, convenient. It's kind of well. It's kind of one of those things where yeah. So we're telling a tale and well, you know, Finrod has a convenient uh, thing that is going to help him converse with these people with whom he has a language barrier but at the same time remember that elves are weird yeah there's they're they're like a superior race quote unquote to to man um and especially the eldar having that wisdom of the valar (laughs) and stuff so you know it's it's not like yeah elves have kind of a higher sensibility too to something i just thought of a funny moment where like i just imagined tolkien like having like trouble writing through this part, and he's drunk, and he's just like, "Whatever, he's give read mine. I don't <laughs> he care." Can, he can randomly <laughs> read some of. No them. one will read into it. <laughs> so, and this is like when Morgoth has kind of gotten into the touch of what's going on with men. Well, he he, yeah. he starts to hear rumors. Yeah, and it, that's uh, rumors do a lot. 
in in this book, as we've seen. I've learned that Middle Earth is a very is a place just filled with rumors, like a lot of rumors what's, just floating around. What's all the hot gossip in Middle Earth? Well, it's that men are coming. <laughs> um, yeah. So so Morgoth kind of leaves leaves Sauron in charge of the war that's going on right now. And, okay, boss. Yeah, and, I'll yeah, do that. Sneaks down to aspire. Yeah. Um, Great use of that word, by the way, in that chapter. I noticed yes, that too. I, I, I think it, I read it like three times mm-hmm. in these chapters. Um. So yeah, and and it, so it's it's kind of like both sides too don't really know a whole lot about what's going on. Like Morgoth is hearing rumors and stuff. The Eldar don't really know the extent to which Morgoth is preparing for war and all that. Um, and Morgoth oh. is really trying to like push men against elves, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem to take root in this. And, and um, it says, of his dealings with men, the Eldar indeed knew nothing at that time, but learnt little af- this is Morgoth, learnt little afterwards but that a darkness lay upon the hearts of men as the shadow of the kinsling and the doom of Mandos lay upon the Noldor. They perceived clearly even in the people of the elf friends whom they first knew. Uh, to corrupt or destroy whatsoever arose new and fair was ever the chief desire of Morgoth, and doubtless he had this purpose also in his errand. So he kind of has internalized something that a lot of this chapter, a lot of this chapter, as someone who knows mm-hmm. loosely about Lord of the Rings, a lot of this chapter had allusions to the future. And that's one of them right there. Yeah, it's like Morgoth kind of like has this understanding about men. I, I believe the literary it. term for that is foreshadowing. Yep. <laughs> That's what I'm. What did I? What word did I <laughs> he use? He said allusions to the future. Okay, I meant Which to say. Like a ride I meant at Ep- to say. It sounds like a ride at Epcot. I meant to say. I, don't know. <laughs> I meant to say. I meant to say future or foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that like that is an element that comes up later. I mean, that's how Sauron manages to poison the minds of men, yes. and um, and this lingering darkness being an aspect of like kind of like I wouldn't say a fissure between the elves, but I feel like. It's it's said here, but I think it kind of reveals itself later in ways mm-hmm. that I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that men die and they don't die of grief, they don't die of they they just die. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like that's an aspect of it. Well, so that's it. Like they they respect uh, Beor, and he is he's the king of of the men that they encounter, and they have great relationship with him. And then he just dies, and they're like, "What just happened?" Well, yeah. Because wake him up. I don't know. know what's happening. Well, yeah, because they they hadn't yet really I mean like they, they knew about this because of, of like the first was he breathing did he give birth I don't but, know but yeah this is something they haven't actually encountered yet yeah. in real life so um, and it's like perplexing because yeah they, um, they had no no concept of the uh, I suppose the inescapability of death mm-hmm. memento mori is not a big thing for elvish culture <laughs> if, you, if you die it's because you put yourself in a situation in which you can be killed rather than it being a necessary part and so Beor starts to like withdraw from them and they're confused and he said you know I've lived a long life and it is coming to an end and I'm at peace with this we're skipping I skipped yeah. them way ahead we, I'm sorry yeah, about that so we skipped, we skipped a lot um, so I want to go back for a little bit too so um, so uh, Felagan learns that there's more men too and 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 their their goal for most of them seems to be to move westward because again that's what they know that that's where the light is and they're drawn towards the west for some inexplicable reason like again the men don't really understand it in their hearts but they feel like they should go it's gotta be whatever's in the water yeah exactly (laughs) the water's gone um so so yeah there is we you know we see 
several different tribes of men coming in, and some of the elves are kind of worried about about the men. Um, the green elves, especially, are like, "Oh, these people build fires and they kill animals." So well, they're dirty. They're yeah, dirty. They're, they're dirty people. Dirty. They kill. They kill animals, and they. And therefore, we are their unfriends. Which I <laughs> unfriends. Yeah. I've, I'm somehow skipped over that part. You yeah, mentioned it before. Unfriends. <laughs> um, but so that's like a, that's like a really, like we we don't hate them. We just don't we want just, them in yeah. the area. Well, yeah, and you know they have fundamental differences with the whole of, like slaying of beasts and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, Bayor and his people kind of go over the river. Um, and, over the blue mountains, and right? they. Well, they go over the river Gellion, and they they settle near Doriath, and uh, they make their land named Estela, the encampment. Beor, actually, like, so later on, so Felagund kind of stays with them for a while, Finrod Felagund, he stays with them for a while, and then eventually he says, well, I want to go back to my people, and Beor doesn't want to leave him, so he goes with him, uh-huh. and that's when he earns the name Beor, actually, which means vassal. And he his, his name, which we finally are introduced, his original <laughs> name is Balan. <laughs> What was it again? Balan. Balan. Mm-hmm. Balan. Like Bob Balan. Balan Bam. Okay. I, I just I'm, I, I some of these names I they kind of just fly out of my brain a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, there 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 are tons of names. I mean, yeah. Here. So they're they're now around Doriath, and for the most part, everyone around Doriath seems okay. Keep I think heavy emphasis on okay with mm-hmm. them being in the area. But not necessarily, right. like, I mean, it's still, like, a bunch of weird weirdos. <laughs> it's, like, suddenly, like, I just imagine, like, a biker gang just came in. And it's like, well, they're not too much of a problem, but, you know, these... Mm. Well, yeah, so, <laughs> I, so at this time, you know, before we had had, like, all of the elves coming into Beleriand and kind of settling. And so now we have this kind of second wave of settlers now, and it's men coming in. And, like, you know, again, most, most of the elves are kind of like, well, that's okay, but, um, like, they want to... So some of the elves are not. I'm sorry. I'm hearing noises. Of it is here. mailbox. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, so some some of the elves are more receptive to men than others. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened when the Noldor first moved in. Right. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah. hey, we've already settled these lands. What do you think you're doing coming in here? We don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we have several different tribes of men kind of come in, um, and. The Haladin, yeah, the Haladin, the Haladin are one of one of the people that I wanted to talk about because they're really they're really I mean, they're really important. Yeah. And that m- people of Mar Mar Mararch 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 Marak Marak, damn it, <laughs> Mar- I was way off. Um, so yeah, there's there was also there's you know a council with with King Thingol, remember and. Um, now is this around the point when he had that dream, like, yeah. or he had that feeling, he had, or something? Well, where... he had, he had, yeah, he had had a dream that troubled him about men coming into their lands, and um, now uh, the men are kind of coming together at Estelad and having this council, and um, so there are some people who fear the Eldar and are wanting to. Uh, kind of voice their fears and and are worried 
about Morgoth and his involvement with the Eldar because again they still don't know too much about the Eldar and right they, and 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 they rem- the, like they remember the only things they know about the Valar are stories but they know that Morgoth was one of the Valar and oh, he had this was, power forgot about that part that part was really cool yeah about how like the dis- okay that that's definitely skipping head but like the dis- like the descent within the group about like the breakdown and mm-hmm. stuff between sorry uh, yeah. it was super cool to me so, um, so uh, one of Beor's sons, Bereg, and Amlak, who was a grandson of Marak, are kind of voicing their discontent here. Um, and then some of them are saying, well, all of the evil things are coming from Morgoth, so maybe we were brought here to help the Eldar fight You're against right. him. The good thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bereg is like, well, uh, we should just let the Eldar fight against him because we're already uh, mortal. <laughs> yeah. So we shouldn't just go roaring into battle. We're fragile. Yeah. Compared to the elves. And then someone else kind of pipes up and says, well, what if all of this kind of uh, stories about the Dark King and everything, what if that's just a bunch of myth? That's just myth. From the elves, there are no um, there are no gods in the west. Yeah, especially after we got here and they said, "Hey, there's a whole sea to go across to get there." And it's like, oh. and the elves are just yeah. making this up because they want to rule Middle Earth and they don't want us here. Um, and so then again, fear kind of sets in, and people are wanting to leave. And that was Almut who got that big speech about like, mm-hmm. "Oh, hey." The, there are no gods. They the, the, this means nothing to us. And then Almut later was like. I didn't say that. Yeah, the which is freaking hilarious. Weird. Because yeah, most of the people are like, "Okay, cool," and they leave. And then Amlak comes back and he's like, "I never said that." Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he goes and finds Madros and is like, "I'm going to fight with you, Madros." Um. So then we move on to the Haladin, which I, I this was I love this story. Um. So. The Haladin are living in uh, Targelion. Coolest name. Yeah, very cool name. And Morgoth is kind of increasingly understanding that uh, though he had tried by weaving like lies and deceit, he yeah. he can't break up the alliance of men and elves because even if they don't like completely get along, they still are unified and fighting against Morgoth. Um. So Morgoth decides to turn his energy towards men, and he's like, "I'm gonna hurt them, like, exterminate hit them." Yeah. And he sends orcs to kind of prey on the Haladin. And then in Haladin, there was uh, a guy named Haladad, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's just funny, to, it kind of cute that his name is Haladad, and it's like the story, sorry, anyway, <laughs> but he's like fighting back and like building the encampments and like trying to like hold back, and he kind of saves a lot of, pe- he saves a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But he dies in the process. Right. He and his son. He and his son. Now, was it his... For some reason, I got mixed up on this. Was it his daughter, Halaleth? Okay. Yes. Who brought the people back together, yes. in a way. And, like, became, like, the de facto leader of the Haladin. Part part of this chapter gets very, very, very Exodus. And it's like, and so-and-so's yeah, sons were blah yeah. and blah, and daughter was blah. And blah's sons were blah and blah, and daughter was blah and blah something. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have a short story about Haladath, or Halad... Uh, 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 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it does. We get like a lot of kind of like lineage. So in this son of this person and son of this person and son of this person does this. Um, but also at the same time, I think that kind of helps us understand too the difference between the lifespans of men and of elves because you've got like you know so and so's grandson uh, teaming up with the same elf that his. <laughs> You know, which is you know, a really cool thing to happen in this, mm-hmm. which I feel like they try to do. Like I don't, I didn't feel it so much in the movies as I am in this. Like mm-hmm. in this, I really feel that. Like primarily because we're going over such grand expanses of time, but 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 the people of the Haladin are led by I can remember, I can remember Haleth mm-hmm. Haleth. Mm-hmm. What's the name? I'm sorry, I'm having so much trouble <laughs> pronouncing these names. Karanthir? Uh, Car- mm-hmm. Karanthir. Karanthir yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. was so, like, overwhelmed by the like, by, by the uh, courage of men that offered uh, her her people the lands in his realm and the protection from the people. And then, like, also they were, like, told to... like, But they didn't really want that? Yeah. Is that what happened? Well, and they didn't really want that. And then they moved off, but they were, like, given guard over something. Yeah, so so Haleth was, like, a very proud kind of lady. Oh, yeah, And yeah. she was like, I don't need your help. Uh, and anyway, we want to go west. Um, and, you know, her people follow her as their chief, and she leads them back to Estelad. Um, and they're kind of always set apart, the, the um, her people. Um, but they go kind of near to Thingol's realm near to the girdle mm-hmm. of Melian, um, and yeah, they they have to guard against the orcs and and the enemies of the Eldar there. But crossing of Taglin, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm getting <laughs> slightly better at this. <laughs> the crossings of Taglin. It's going to be a spelling quiz. At oh time. no, <laughs> I have trouble enough spelling my own name. Good luck on all that. <laughs> but so yeah, this is kind of. Um, you know, we we had kind of a couple of little vignettes and stories of um, several different groups of the Edain, the um, which was the elves' name for for the men. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of foreshadowing. Yeah. <sighs> lots lots of, lots of the stuff that we're kind of used to, where it's like, oh, and so and so who will go on to do this was born. Mm-hmm. So we're introduced uh, to to Baron, and then said, who will fall in love with Luthien. Right. And so they go, I don't know who these people. Well, right. so chapter 19 is just named of Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Um, so. Oh. So yeah, we'll, you will we'll next we'll remember. Right. That'll those be important. Names. Uh, it, also, there's reference to this in Lord of the Rings in the movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Fellowship of the Ring. Er, yeah, Aragorn makes mention of, of Baron yeah, and Luthien. He, he's singing a song just like off by himself in like mm-hmm. the corner. And it's about Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, the. Um, at, near the end of this chapter, we're told that the Edain's lives were lengthened when they came into Beleriand, um, but at, but at the same time, there's the, you know it, they're infinitesimal compared to the to, to elves. Their bodies are still going to give up, right? Um, Bayor dies at the age of ninety three, um, and yeah, this is the this description of the elves witnessing the death of a man. 
Um, and when he lay dead of no wound or grief, but stricken by age, the Eldar saw for the first time the swift waning of the life of men, and the death of weariness which they knew not in themselves, and they grieved greatly for the loss of their friends. But Beor at the last had relinquished his life willingly and passed in peace, and the Eldar wondered much at the strange fate of men, for in all their lore there was no account of it, and its end was hidden from them. So yeah, they had never experienced just, you know, someone's life expiring for no cause by, like, you know, mortal wound or extreme grief, which is... Well, and what's interesting about that, too, is is the element of he died peacefully, mm-hmm. and that seemed... even Almost like even, even that was, like, a, like, weird thing to the elves of, like, Someone just died peacefully. Mm-hmm. That that was another part of it that like added some dimension to the lives of elves. Like, oh, maybe they don't die peacefully at all. Like, well, maybe it's like horrifying well, and violent yeah. always to them. Yeah, because think about it. You know, like how can elves die? Mostly from battle, from what we've seen, mm-hmm. yeah, and a few times in grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been slain, or yeah, from extreme grief, heartache. So, uh, quick, they're they're. References sprinkled into various um, men of, of, of import. Um, near the end of this chapter, it says, Now Hador uh, Lorindal, son of Hathal, son of Maghor, son of Malak Arendan, oh my God. entered the house of Fingolfin in his youth and was loved by the king. Fingolfin therefore gave to him lordship of Dorlamine, and in that land he gathered most of the people of his kin, making the mightiest of the chieftains of the Adain. In his house, only the elven tongue was spoken, but their own speech was not forgotten, and from it came the common tongue of Numenor. So that's we've we've been mentioning Numenor on and off to you. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so beyond that, uh, but in Dorthonian, the lordship of the people of Beor and the country of Ladros was given to Boromir, son of Boron, who is the grandson of Beor the Old. So here we have this kind of hierarchy being established within mankind by the elves granting it themselves. Which is an element of you guys kept referencing how like the ki- kings of men had this like weird elf like elvish involvement, right? And this is like the start of that? Well, there so there are certain men who are kind of given more import. Yeah. And oh, it's okay. and it's because so, you know, like Bayorn or Bayorn, I'm sorry. Bayor. Bayorn <laughs> is from the Hobbit. Different different person. Um Bayor is kind of given this status because again, he so he was this he was the leader of these first people. Yeah. And Finrod meets them and, you know, uh that's this is the first meeting of of men and the Eldar, and uh, kind of this first deepest alliance between them. And again, like, Beor became a servant of Fenrod, so he's kind of like, the people of his house are especially revered. Um, And honored among the elves. So yeah. Um, Just a little bit more lineage. The sons of Hador were Galdor and Gundor. Why would you name your kids something so similar? I don't Um, know. And the sons of Galdor were Hurin and Huor. So uh, Hurin, just of, of note, and in the, around the same time that he wrote, started writing this and started writing everything else, he started writing tales that um, Christopher Tolkien edited into Children of Hurin, which is a standalone novel, which was released four or five years ago. I want to say. Yeah. I've yeah no. Two thousand seven. Okay. Yep. So. You can always read more about... (laughs) I haven't read it, so... I haven't read it yet either, but um, I do have a copy, actually. I wonder if it will factor into... uh, Anyway, (laughs) chapter 18. The most, like, epic, epic stuff happened at the beginning of this chapter. Well, actually, peppering just a little bit more. Uh, The son of Boromir was Bregor, whose sons were Bregolus. Bregolus? 
I don't know. It's Legolas, but with a B. And, <laughs> and Belagund, the daughter of Berigund, was Morwen, mother of Turit, da 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 da. Uh, and the daughter of Belagund was Rian, the mother of Tuor. But the son of Bear here was Baron Onehand, who won the love of Luthien Thingol's daughter and returned from the dead. That's... From them came Elwing, the wife of Arendil, and all the kings of Nomenor after. All right. So again, yeah, That's we're, a big, we're, like, we're building up an important people yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And there are all these references to the doom or the lore. Yeah. So yes, chapter 18 of the Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin. And that was one hell of a load of title. <laughs> yeah. There's no, no quarter. And if you, uh, this was, <laughs> I was tweeting this earlier, if you want to ensure gross sobbing from me, then you... Play uh, the end title song from No, don't do it. Don't do you it. You play the end title song from uh, The Return of the King, which is Into the, the West, West, and you play it while I'm reading about the ruin of Beleriand. But we don't. Did you we can't do that? Yet. Yes. Did you do that? We, well, I was. I listened to. Okay. Um, we. I, I I like to play like you know m- theme music while I'm preparing yeah. for for these. <laughs> so I was randomly listening to well I was listening to both like uh, stuff from Two Towers because it has Rohan themes and then stuff from um, uh, Return of the King because it has Gondor themes and I was like man yes but then Into the West creeped in there. <laughs> By the way, that song is not just a random weird song; it's of tertiary relevance because Viggo Mortensen is a very weird man, and he has this bizarre album he did with Buckethead. With Buckethead, yeah. And then um, called Pandemonium from America. And, and Marion Pippin came in and just and Frodo too. Oh yeah, and goofed around on this song, and it's called Half, Half Fling. Fling. And that is, if Katie and I got married in high school, that would have been our song. <laughs> Basically. Um, but yeah, they, they play like, they play like wheelchair wheel spokes and stuff like that and kazoos and all kinds of so anyway, stuff. But anyway, the back, to, back to Valerian. Um, so six generations into mankind, Morgoth is like, <laughs> I've got to do something because these people are getting too strong. Yeah. And his plan is actually fairly successful in the end. And he had, well, for a while, for a, I mean, it, 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 not okay, not completely successful. It goes, but it's pretty successful. He gets pretty far. But we have to note, though, Tolkien writes here. So, if he had oh, waited sorry. longer, he may have actually succeeded. Is what we're kind yeah. of told. Yeah. Because like yeah. he jumped, he again, gun. he jumped the gun because he's getting too worried about. Like he feels like he's underestimated the elves. He's underestimated the Noldor. He's underestimated the men, and he's like, uh, I gotta attack them now. So he's crying, and, yeah. his, and his hand still hurts, and, <laughs> and his he's hand all still alone. <laughs> so, so he decides he's going to launch his great attack now. And yeah, we're told that if he had waited and really amassed his strength more than he had, uh, he may have won, and then everything would have well, been Well, and destroyed. he attacks in winter, which, yeah. to best my knowledge, is the first reference to seasons that I can remember. Yeah. But this is the first time I've read winter Seasons, in this book, actual seasons, yeah, because yeah. we because we've been told of like the spring of Arda, but that's more a time period of like the like you know while the world is still being created. So now we're getting actual seasons as far as like you know winter, spring, summer. Fall but in, like and then like Morgoth is attacking in winter. The sun is down and is basically tearing up everything, especially this place called Ardgalen. Mm-hmm. Which becomes a wasteland, which was terrifying. That whole description was really brutal. Well, and and so he, his attack is, is a surprise. Yeah. So 
The contentment came on her when night was dark and without moon, and the wide plain of Ardgalin stretched dim beneath the cold stars, from the hill forts of the Noldor to the feet of Thangorodrim. The watchfires burned low, and the guards were few. On the plain, few were waking in the camps of the horsemen of Heathloom. Then, sudden, then suddenly Morgoth sent forth great rivers of flame that ran down swifter than Balrogs from Thangorodrim, and poured out and poured all over the plain, and the mountains of iron belched forth fires of many poisonous hues, and the fume of them stank upon the air and was deadly. And this is where we get the name of the fourth battle. Yeah. The fourth big battle. I just want to hang on that description of, you know, this, uh, like, blight that Morgoth sends out, because it's linguistically perfect. Like, the the word... When you're describing something disgusting and bad and, like, scary and horrible, you use sounds that are gross-sounding. And, like... It's onomatopoeia, kind of. Yeah. That's not the... The mountains of iron belched forth fires of many poisonous hues, and the fume of them stank upon the air. Those words just sound... It just sounds gross. Actually, it kind of reminds me of... um, I forget which canto and which ring, but Dante's Mm -hmm. Inferno. Yeah. There's a bit where he's, like, explaining a a guy who has, like, endless gas, basically. Yeah. So, it's... I mean, just, again, you you have to constantly be in awe of Tolkien because he was a genius. Um, (laughs) Now, this battle is called the Battle of the Sudden Flame, or... Dargo, Dar, uh, <laughs> Dagro, that gosh. Okay, wait, wait so hold on. Uh, thus, Ardgalan perished and fire devoured its grasses and became burned and desolate to waste, full of choking dust, barren, lifeless. Therefore, its name was changed, and it was called Angfauglith, mm-hmm. the gasping dust. Many charred bones had there their roofless grave, for many of the Noldor perished on that burning, who were caught by the running flame and could not fly to the hills. The heights of Dorthonian and Arid Wethrin held back the fiery torrents, but their woods upon the slopes that looked towards the Angband were all kindled, and the smoke wrought confusion among the defenders. Thus began the fourth of the great battles, Degor Bragalach. Bragalach. Mm-hmm. Uh, which actually it looks and sounds like a Welsh word. Yeah, um, it does. I was about to say it sounds like clean on. Otherwise known as <laughs> the Battle of the Sudden Flame. Yeah. Well, and the thing about like that 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 what was it called? It was a gasping dust. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like Dark Souls. Level. And then he but sends he, sen- he sends out Glaurung the Golden, which is the dragon. But this time the dragon is not like a baby. Yeah, he's he's a fu- he's a full fledged. It says adult in his full dragon light, now. Yeah. And in his train were the Balrogs, and behind them came the black armies of the orcs and multitudes such as the Noldor had never before seen or imagined. Uh, so yeah, so this was massive, massive armies, <coughs> fire everywhere. But you still say that it's still not; it was not quite up to snuff. Well, obviously, it wasn't up to snuff. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, the, th- these are some pretty epic battles and pretty intense battles. But we're going to see even, even bigger. Oh, and stuff. so many people were killed. So, yeah. This, yeah. Oh and, God! Like so many casualties and in this one. The strongest people are killed, and the it, sons it's, of Fanor very quickly. Yeah, the sons of Fanor especially have a lot of trouble. And yeah, so here, here I am reading this stuff and listening to that song, oh, God. and just like weeping because that song makes me cry anyway. And then i you know, it's like so and so is, you know, shot with multiple arrows or whatever. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, um, a lot so, of people were just killed in like one basic line. Well, yeah. And so this creates diasporas. And so the Grey Elves fled south and forsook the Northern War. Uh, many were received into Doriath and the kingdom and strength of Thingol grew greater at the time. Uh, so the Grey Elves are like, this is not our beef. This is the Noldor's beef. We're getting out of here. 
because again, the 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 sons of Feanor are the ones who had made that oath to yes. you know f- fight against Morgoth and uh, take back the Silmarils at all cost. Um, so yeah, the um, we you know fin- the sons of Finarfin have heavy losses. Um, Fingolfin uh, and Fingon try to go and help him, but they can't. Um, you know, we're told that Hador the Golden-Haired has fallen, as well as his son Gundor. Um, Fingolfin becomes separated from his people. The sons of Feanor are having a hard time. Maedros, however, did manage to do some pretty amazing things, but then Glaurung the dragon comes <laughs> and, like, and- burns crap down. And the orcs are moving farther and farther into eastern Beleriand. So things are not going well. Um, and this is probably my favorite part yeah, this, of this whole, yeah, this too. is my whole part, and I really wanted to read it, yes. just because it's so awesome. Uh, Fingolfin comes up and challenges, challenges Morgoth, did the thing that no one else has decided to do, and Morgoth leaves Zongbon for the last time, and it made mm-hmm. sure to emphasize that this is the last time he's going to leave this place to, like, come upon, like, to actually, like, make this call this challenge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Thus he came alone to Angbon's gates, and he sounded his horn and smote once more upon the brazen doors, and challenged Morgoth to come forth to single combat, and Morgoth came. That was the last time in those wars that he passed the doors of his stronghold, and it is said that he took not the challenge willingly, for though he for though his might was greatest of all things in this world, Alone of Valar, he knew of well. Alone of Val, alone of the Valar, he knew fear, but he could not now deny the challenge before the face of his captains. Therefore, I imagine those people going like, "You're gonna go up there and take him." Exactly, yeah. that's the thing. Like, yeah. And then the last bit I want to read is: Therefore, Morgoth came climbing slowly from his subterranean throne, and the rumor of his feet was like thunder underground, and he issued forth clad in black armor and stood before the king like a tower ironclad and his vast shield sable unblazed unblazoned cast a shadow over him like a storm cloud but Fingolfin gleamed beneath it as a star for his mail was overlaid with silver and his blue shield was set with crystal and he drew his sword Ringel with glittering like ice, like it, like that glittered like ice, like that whole like everything is that like just so much imagery going on in this yeah. part, and it keeps going. Like the fight is descriptive. What's happening? Like the, he's got this, he's got this hammer. Like Morgoth has this hammer that's named as well. Yeah, that is as big as like I imagine like a Corvette or something, and he's <laughs> slamming this thing down. And it's leaving these massive, massive like, potholes, like, size things yeah. in the ground. Okay. And it, I love that. So his weapon is named Grand Hammer of the Underworld. Yeah, Damn. <laughs> which is which sounds like a Swedish metal, metal band. It does sound like uh, a Swedish metal band. So Grand is just Sendrin, literally meaning club, nothing yeah. else. But if you recall, uh, Lord of the Rings, colon, The Return of the King, at 39 letters, the longest title to ever be awarded Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, they're trying to break into Minas Tirith, the second Minas Tirith, not the first Minas Tirith, uh, and they use that giant battering ram. That battering ram is also named Grand. Grand. Oh, mm-hmm. so it's just a general, yeah. just a it's general just, name? Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> um... So yeah, the, there's... Then there's, you know, this battle is described, and Morgoth keeps trying to, like use his hammer to 
crush Fingolfin is like lightning darting around like lightning Lightning under a cloud which is great Um, and manages to strike Morgoth in the, um, in, the, in the face, in the in face, the, in the everywhere. Show. I thought it was just in the foot. No, no, no. I thought well, Thorondor was in the face. So, well, no, no, no. He, he hits him like seven times. Yeah. Like it, oh, that's right. Like he has seven, seven times. Um, and then, so eventually Fingolfin, though, becomes tired, and Morgoth is like crushing him beneath his shield, and Fingolfin is stumbling over all of these great potholes in the ground from the hammer of the underworld, and he's pinned under Morgoth's left foot. And then he just... And then he takes his sword and just slashes him. Yeah, stab, stab, like, stab. His blood is... Morgoth's oh, blood yeah. is being spilled and filling all of these potholes, too. And, like, it's uh, just... it's it's th- This uh, this battle is described rather yes. gratuitously. With, it's well, really great. With his last and disparate stroke, Fingolfin hewed the foot with Ringel, and the blood gushed forth black and smoking and filled the pits of Grand. Um, and then he dies. And then Fingolfin dies. Um... Uh, the and Morgoth wants to take the body, of course, but and defile it. Never, yeah, never fear. Thorandor, the the king of the eagles, is comes. here right after he would have been super helpful. Yeah, yeah, that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, so he he like he like attacks Morgoth with his claws and yeah. claws at his face and stuff, and 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 then takes um, Thingolfin's body away. So imagine a 777 flies at you, starts clawing your face away. <laughs> well, and then after that, I mean, Morgoth goes back into his hole and cries because his face won't ever heal up. And again... And nothing will heal up, and his foot doesn't really heal up. He's, he will always be pained by his wounds. And remember, he always he, he already was pained by that burned hand and was <laughs> All right, you know, guys, constantly I'm done. angry. Sauron, you, just, <laughs> you take over, whatever. You take over Morgoth out. Uh, <laughs> Because um, that's what really happens. Like Sauron, like well, winter. Winter is over by this point. Winter yeah. is waning down, and his forces start backing off. And he and Sauron kind of like goes out and does his thing for a little while. I just like this sentence. Um, Morgoth went ever halt of one foot after that day, and the pain of his wounds could not be healed. And in his face was the scar that Thorandor made. Yep. So yeah, I'm this, just imagining him like hobbling around with a peg leg. I'm just imagining yeah. him, like Mickey Rourke and the Me wrestler. scary pirate. Like throughout, yeah, through, throughout this, the the we we keep getting progressively more and more like uh, marks left on Morgoth, but he's still it just it just makes him angrier and like festering in his own. But I mean, evil. It seems like after each one of these battles, he just like goes more and more into himself. He and like now shrinks like, back. The, I feel like this is the last time. <laughs> I feel like we're not going to hear much from Morgoth for a while. Not in like. Well, up next we have way. a love story. So next, yeah. yeah, next we have a love story. So it'll be it'll be a lot more pleasant than this. But, but Sauron goes out. But like, yeah, two so, years after all this is done. So yeah, so now so now Sauron is is going to go and 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 take care of some business. Um, so he, he seizes basically Minas Tirith, the first Minas Tirith. The, yeah, not, not Minas which, Tirith, we know. At this, you know, beforehand, it could never be breached, and it was a watchtower, it's great. But Morgoth comes and he takes it, to, or I mean, Sauron comes and he takes it, and he basically banishes all the elves from that, that perimeter, and, and Sauron discovers, oh, I really like being on top of a tower, I can see everything. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough. Hmm, I wonder... What will come of this? But yeah, hey, you can see everything from here, and uh, no one can es- can escape my watch. <laughs> also, I love how like he takes over like some island in the river, like 
Tall Sirion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he takes up Sun Island and becomes the Isle of Werewolves, which yeah. my, my yeah. first thought was, it was called okay, werewolves suddenly. Tall in Gaurhoth. Yeah, and uh, well, that's because Sauron was like one of one of his titles. You know, he has these many titles, yeah, like yeah, Gorthar yeah. the the Cruel and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, he uh, he is also like master of werewolves in Middle Earth, um, which yeah. So apparently, they're werewolves. I did not. Lord, I oh yeah, didn't know Lord that of werewolves. Yeah, Lord of werewolves. There we go. Um, so yeah, so now Morgoth has the Western Pass as well. Um, not good, and the orcs are kind of like able to wander more freely than ever before, and. Uh, they kidnap some of the elves and bring them to Angban and make them work for Morgoth and Morgoth sends out more spies and there's more fear and more jealousy and more rumors and more like you know self-fulfilling prophecy of the kin slaying thing um, and the curse um, and then and Morgoth is still trying to like corrupt men too he's still trying to you know s- Tell them that he'll give them power and pity and bend them to his to his side, um, but you know, most of most of them were like, "Ah, oh, no, we're n- we're not gonna enter into any kind of treaty with you." So he gets angry again and decides that he's going to pursue men even more. And then there are more men, the swarthy men, and they come to Beleriand, and they were secretly under the dominion of Morgoth and came to his call, and they mess with stuff. I have to be honest, I didn't fully understand that part. Like, I remember reading it, but I never... That was weird. Like, these, like, men that came up that were shorter Mm -hmm. and stockier... Mm -hmm. They're almost dwarves. And and kind of dark dark hair and dark eyes. And and they really weren't good guys, but they weren't necessarily bad guys. Well, it's just that they... They they didn't have the same alliance to elves that yeah. the other men. That oh, we've, that I we've see. Been, they're they're a weird third party to this yeah, whole thing. They're kind of they 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 kind of like the mountains better and actually do kind of um, have uh, more affinity for the dwarves. Um, however, Madros does make an alliance with them um, and uh, becomes friends with some of their leaders. Um. And this then, is where we hit that story about the two people, the two yeah. guys yeah. ended up in in Gorin and Huor, the sons of Galdor of Dorlamin, were dwelling with the Haladin for their kin. Uh, basically, they got separated. They were stuck in battle, surrounded by orcs, and so the uh, stupid El, the stupid Thoron <laughs> sees them, espied them. That's right. It says so, espied. so again, 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 the Eagle King comes to the rescue. We have a lot to thank him for. He, he, <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, yeah, I don't know. He could have like helped the Gulfin <laughs> in some way. Maybe Majorus would have not lost his arm, but whatever. <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, he's 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 he's, he's helped a lot. Okay, he yeah. helped these but, two, yeah. and if, if anything, it's like these two. I, I mean, I don't imagine them being that old. So, so. He, he sends two eagles. They pick them up, and then they take them and they drop them off in Gondolin, which no man had yet seen. And remember, Turgon has this rule that anyone <laughs> who makes it there can't leave. He's like. This is my hidden realm, and yeah. obviously, if I let you leave, then it will be unhidden. What is so funny about this? I'm sorry. I just I was like when you said, "and no man had seen it," like, and they hadn't because it was so beautiful. Their eyes exploded or something. <laughs> well, so they're well received, and you know they're there for a year, and they're you know they they become friends with Turgon, and they learn lots of great things, and then they say, "We want to go home," and Turgon's like, "Well, you know my rule. We and, don't know how you got here." And th- well, they said two things. They said one. We're mortal, you know, we're going to die in 
30 years. We want to spend time with people important to us, which also means that if we're going to die soon, we're going to take the secret to our grave. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, we were flown here against our will, which means that... We don't really know how to get here. We don't know what's up. (laughs) And so Turgon's like, okay. You can leave only if the eagles take you. Yeah. Only if the eagles, like, are okay with it, basically. He's not going to summon. He's not going to summon the eagles, and the eagles are notoriously flighty. Because uh-huh. remember, the eagles are also—they're not your taxi service. Yes. <laughs> well, in this case, they kind of—they kind of were. <laughs> they came back and they went and <laughs> off again. And, and so they—they they swear not to even mention Gondolin. And so they get back to 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 men, and men are like, "Whoa, where have you guys been gone for the past for year? a year?" And they're like, "Oh, we were lost." And they're like, yeah. "Really? Because you were like in nice clothes, and you're like well kempt and stuff, and you've eaten food clearly. <laughs> like you're not all gaunt and like wasted away." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, we were just lost." Yeah, but so people people kind of guessed at what had actually happened that you know they had been taken in. And, and so... so and Morgoth even, yeah, like, so yeah. word of this reaches Morgoth, and he's like, okay, these people vanished. And I know that Turgon vanished, and nobody knows what happened. And so we're kind of laying the seeds that Morgoth is like, oh, there are hidden places I have yet found. Yeah. So... You know, even the most hidden places that people are like, oh, this is going to be the this is going to be the stronghold against Morgoth. Even these hidden places are not completely safe because. We, sorry, go ahead. These rumors keep coming up, and Morgoth is crafty. Do we know where Gondolin is? Us as the readers. Yes. It's it's like up in the north, right? It's like it's in the of valley of the shadow of death. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, we know where it is. Um. We were introduced to it uh, last time, and I cannot for the life of me remember which valley it's located in, but yeah. Um, what was left in this chapter? That's about it, really. That's, that was pretty I mean, that's much really about it. it. Um, we were, were given, again, kind of a, um, right at the end of the chapter, we're given another little lineage, and uh, then told that Baron comes into Doriath, and that's kind of setting us up for this next segment, because again, we're going to uh, learn about Baron and Luthien and have a nice... Um, little departure from this bloody description of battles and death and slaying. Um, and we get to our first Tolkien song. Oh, which these are apparently for. something to like, that's like to, to look up to or to be excited for. Well, the th- uh, the songs for me particularly too. Um, when so the Hobbit was one of the first books that my mom like the first actual important books that my mom read to me besides like you know c-spot run or whatever yeah um, so when i was um really little she read me the hobbit and this was when like i was beginning to read um so i could read on my own but she read the book with me and she would read me you know just like chapter by chapter but i would get to read the songs oh that's so, adorable. like yeah I'll, like tolkien songs are like a special little because the one song I do know is, and I guess it's in the book, is Misty Mountains. Mm-hmm. Just because the rendition, that is the best thing from the Hobbit movies. Oh, yeah, Period. Absolutely. Like, that's the best thing from the Hobbit movies is yeah. the Misty Mountains song sung by the elves. Like, or not by the elves, by the dwarves. It made me tear up in the movie theater. Like, it made me tear up in the theater when nothing else in that movie had, like, life or weight to it. But that did. Um, it was very powerful. On a slight programming note, since we're talking about Baron and Luthien, I'm going to propose that next week we just do that one chapter because it's like 32 pages it's long. It's pretty dense. Okay. And after Baron and Luthien, we return to a battle, so I think it's... Yeah. 
It would be We're a break. We're also getting kind of close to the end, aren't we? Like, there's only like twenty something chapters left of the main book, and then we have like mm-hmm. some like epilogue stuff. Then to we get have into. yeah. Then we have some epilogue, and then there's uh, a lot of um, like appendix stuff. Quintus Silverlian um, ends on the twenty uh, fourth chapter. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not far off. Yep. And then that thing, a Kalabath, and then of oh, the Rings of Power. Of the, oh, the Rings of Power in the Third Age. Mm-hmm. Where I'm really excited for that hear part. Things that you're more familiar with. And then we get to the genealogical tables. Mm-hmm. So, um, rounding out uh, this segment. Um, I want to talk about everyone's favorite stuff from this. My favorite stuff was we had we had actually two stories. We didn't uh, we kind of didn't talk about the second one, but we had two stories of some badass women. In yes, we did. Yeah, um, we had Haleth, who you know her father and her brother were killed, so she just you know gave arms to the people and was like, "Come on, let's do this." And she led her people, and she became their chieftain. And then we had Emladir or uh, Emildir who um, kind of did a, a very similar thing. She, um, you know, like, took up arms and, and, you know, moved her people to a stronghold, um, which is which is really great. And uh, those aren't the last badass women we'll see in Tolkien's world either. I've noticed a trend. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are, there are badass women, and it makes me happy. That I mean, uh, Haleth was definitely my favorite thing from this from this chapter, and then followed close just by how damn descriptive that that battle was at the beginning of chapter nineteen mm-hmm. or eighteen. I, I just liked the bit when he said, you know, uh, Fingolfin summons Morgoth, and then it is it was like he bade Morgoth to come or something. Full stop, and Morgoth came. Full stop. I just like that. It's it, it's it's antithetical to what we consider to be Tolkien's writing style, and it's very, yeah, yeah, very, very effective short. in the moment. Mm-hmm. But that, and that that whole yeah that whole sequence, like you know, because Fingolfin has like realized what's happening at this moment, and he, and he becomes like just seething with rage and rides out. And I think we kind of <sighs> skipped we kind of skipped over that too. But he rides out on his horse, and he's got this like fire in his eyes, and people think that he's Orome the Hunter. Oh yeah. And, and, oh yeah. yeah that's he, right. Because he he looks like one of the Valar because his eyes are like bright with rage, and he you know rides out and is like Morgoth. Morgoth's ah! like, oh yeah. god, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll take care of this. So yeah, uh, we had we had my the, hand hurts. Uh. <laughs> we had a, a pretty pretty dense amount of stuff that happened in this, but. We're learning more and more, and we're seeing more battles. We're, we're about to hit that point where I'm sitting here going, like, I have most of the Silmarillion in my head, and I never thought that'd be something I would have read. Uh-huh. So, great job. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Talking Tolkien, also, we have an email address that's just talking talking podcast at warpzonenetwork.com. There are more podcasts at warpzonenetwork.com. You can check those out as well at the website warpzonenetwork.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, just talking talking. Look it up, the English class, talking talking. The English class might be seeming confusing, but this is going to be a bigger podcast and a series of other podcasts that involve book series or just books. So, the English class, colon, talking, talking. So that's it, and remember to...
boost the professor at least one point this week.